All right, now let's have Dr. History get in here. Boy, quick, come on in. Good morning, Zev. How you doing this morning? Ratatouille. That really sounds uh, uh, quite uh, French. Yeah, it is. You got to say it with a flair. Yes, and you do it very well. Oh, thank you, thank you. Hey, before we go very far, I just want to tell you how much I enjoyed your uh, uh, thing at the rodeo. Uh, I have never seen a standing ovation for anybody uh, that's been honored at the rodeo like you were. I appreciate that. That is very, very nice. And you're going to make me bubble up all over again. I uh, It really hit home, and uh, it was very appreciated. I'll say that. Thank you. Well, uh, it, you know, it's just, uh, what can I say? It's not the same. It's just not the same. Anyway. Well, thank you. Yeah. So. Thank you very, it. very also, much. Uh, I will not be here next Tuesday. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll make a note that you are gone. <laughs> a big note. Okay. And, and wait a minute. i got to do this right. I bought a new pad just for you. Doctor okay. History gone on, uh, that'd be the 9th, 9-9. Nine, nine. Yep. Okay. Yep, next week. I'll write that down. But, but, you are here today. I am. And that means we have something very interesting and informative. Dr. History, go ahead. All right. Well, you know, uh, treasure tales, uh, buried treasure has always been kind of a, uh, kind of an exciting thing to, to hear about and think about. And, you know, there's probably a lot of us that at one time or another dreamed about stumbling upon some buried treasure and uh, finding gold or silver or whatever. And yeah. So I've actually got uh, six short stories about buried treasure that has never been found. Oh, tell me. I'll go look. All right. So here we go. I'll give you six places to go look. All right. I'm leaving. So, you know, anyone familiar with accounts of buried treasure legends on the plains and the prairies of the West knows that... Most such tales are set on the southern plains, and many, a lot of them, uh, uh, regarding uh, Spaniards or Mexicans. Now, although the long history of the Spanish influence to the south is greatly responsible for a lot of these legends, uh, and partly it's because of the milder southern climate, which had an influence, because the warmer climate in the south meant people were more active out of doors, mm-hmm. more months of the year. Sure. And in the north, so consequently... More stage robberies and one thing or another happened more in the north than they did in the or in the south than they did in the north. Well, would you want to rob a stage in chilly weather? Think of yourself, man. No, I mean if you're going to be hiding out, you don't want to have to be looking for a cabin or. There you go. So, tre- treasure story number one. Okay, and actually these are in the north. So. Uh, there are not many treasure tales in what is now North Dakota, which was once part of the Dakota Territory, and perhaps because of the reasons I just mentioned about the cold, cold weather. However, one such tale began on a summer day in the 1870s when a Hudson's Bay Company paymaster was robbed of $40,000. Now, the money I'm going to be talking about in these stories is nothing to sneeze about. I mean, $40,000 back then... You know, 1870s, that's, I don't know what that'd be worth in today's money. Probably 240000 a day. At least, yeah. So anyway, he was robbed uh, in, the, in Canadian money in near, uh, up in a town called Estevan, Saskatchewan, and uh, it's kind of on the plains of southern Canada, pretty close to the U.S. border. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that area or not. But sometimes there are a few details about buried treasure tales, including the names of those who buried the treasures and other bits and pieces of information 
that are needed to kind of make a credible story. So this is one of those stories. Okay, so the unidentified robber, after robbing the 40,000, fled south across the Canadian border into Dakota Territory, which, again, is now North Dakota. Right. Well, the lawmen had been alerted by the Northwest Mounted Police and later the Royal Canadian Mounted Police to watch for the robber. Well, the Dakota lawmen soon captured the robber near a place called Big Butte, which is a large grass-covered hill located about seven miles south of... Again, I'm not familiar with these towns. It's called Lignite. Mm-hmm. But it's now Burke County, North Dakota. Okay. Now, uh, it's kind of the second county east of the Montana border. So it's uh, over there in that section there. But anyway, in those days on the frontier, lawmen were often a little rough in, on outlaws, especially if they would not talk. Well, in this case, the lawmen beat the robber after he repeat, repeatedly refused to tell him where he'd hidden the $40,000. Well, pretty soon, the unconscious robber was taken to the village town of Portal for treatment, but uh, the outlaw soon died of his injuries without disclosing where the money was buried. They must have whooped up on him pretty good. Yeah, like I say, they, they got a little rough with this guy. You know? So so he's dead. The 40000 is gone. Now, the only clue le- found by the lawman was a rough diagram on the tan side of the outlaw's fur coat. Well, the diagram suggested that he had buried the $40,000 in the vicinity of this place called Big Butte, Mm -hmm. which is at an altitude of about 2,700 feet. Well, the Dakota lawmen searched time and again for the money, but never found it. Even the Northwest Mounted Police reportedly crossed the border into Dakota Territory and searched in the Big Butte area. And as far as we know, the 40000 is still buried somewhere on or near Big Butte. And, you know, a lot of those eastern people, they keep mispronouncing that all the time, and they keep saying Big Butt. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Only you and I know the real pronunciation, Big Butte. Yep. <laughs> okay, story number two. A few years before the Canadian paymaster was robbed, something occurred in what is now a place called Mercer County in eastern North Dakota, and this provides a foundation for another treasure legend. The year was 1864. Now, this time, a party of 16 miners returning east from the gold fields of Montana pulled their boat ashore for repairs near where the Knife River enters the Missouri River, and this is close to the modern town of Stanton, North Dakota. Oh, and believing the repairs of their boat would take several days, they supposedly buried, this time, $200,000 in gold Ooh. that they were carrying on the shore for safekeeping. Wow. Now, exactly what happened next is a little hazy, but a band of Indians attacked the miners. And all but one of the miners was killed. The lone survivor happened to be away from camp when the Indians attacked. So he hid to save his life, and then he fled the area after the Indians left. Now, according to one account, he later returned in hopes of recovering the gold, but he never found it. So presumably the gold is still buried where the miners left it. Oh, boy. So that's your place number two. Right 200,000. Where the Knife Fork River comes in. So okay. Now you've got $240,000 to go look for. Yep. Okay. Still number three story. Another tale involving miners who had struck it rich in the Montana gold fields is set in what is now Burley County, North Dakota. Now, during the summer of 1863, a party of 24 men returning east on a flatboat down the Missouri River, they went ashore and made camp near a place called Burnt Creek, which, again, empties into the Missouri, Mm -hmm. about a mile north of where Bismarck, North Dakota, is now. Okay. Now, 
hidden on their flat boat was ninety thousand dollars in gold. Wow! So, like I say, this is this is big money we're talking about. Here. Yeah. So, now as the party made camp, an old Indian appeared. He appeared to be friendly, and there were no other Indians could be seen around. Well. One miner thought he saw the old Indian signal uh, other Indians to attack. So the miner shot and killed the old Indian. Not a good thing. No! Before the miners could climb back onto their flat boat and take off, a group of Indians nearby heard the shot, rushed to the camp. Seeing the old Indian dead, they attacked and killed all of the miners. Oh, boy. So the Indians, finding the gold hidden on the flatboat, they buried it on the shore. Now, according to one account, a portion of the gold was later recovered, but the majority of the gold is still believed to be buried where the Indians hid it. Okay. So there's another 90,000. Okay, story number four. I'm writing all this down. Okay, because you're going to go searching when I'm done. Okay. In what is now South Dakota, one major trail used for migration, uh, commerce, and communication ran from Deadwood in the Black Hills to Sydney in Nebraska. Right. Now, the stagecoaches traveled regularly over this route, and they carried gold, obviously, that was then shipped by train at Sydney. Well, for more than a decade, there were a lot of attempts to rob the stages, and uh, obviously some were successful. And one of those was in July of 1877. A gang held up one of the stages traveling from Deadwood to Sydney at a site four miles south of Battle Creek. And again, I'm telling you all these places, and I, I'm not that familiar with all these little towns, but mm-hmm. supposedly they fled with 200000 in gold bullion plus items belonging to the passengers, like watches, diamonds, money, whatever. Uh, but because the gold was so heavy, the robbers reportedly buried it somewhere along a place called Hat Creek, south of a little town called Ardmore. Okay. And there are no accounts of it ever having been found. Oh, my goodness. So there's another 200000 Why, we're rolling in money. <laughs> Just sitting out there waiting for somebody to find it. Get the shovel. Yeah, okay, here's story number five. Okay. Pierre, South Dakota. Uh, this is the setting for another treasure legend that dates back to the late 1860s or maybe, maybe the 1870s, uh, early 70s, but when an unidentified steamboat went down in the Missouri. Now, the steamboat was reportedly carrying, okay, get this, 500,000 in gold bullion from the mines in Montana. Oh, my. 500,000. That's that's almost a half a million dollars. Why, I would say. (laughs) You know, details are lacking, uh, you know, like a, a lot of these stories, but... Most accounts say that the cargo was never recovered. Holy cow. And soon after the steamboat sank, the Missouri River changed its course, which rivers often do that uh, over the course of time. But today, the steamboat is believed to be still buried in what is now uh, Steamboat Memorial Park at Missouri Avenue and Crow Street in Pierre. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Now, it would be, I would assume, a little difficult to start dredging in that location. I I have never been there, but I'm thinking that if you went there with a shovel and started digging, the people uh, of here might have something to say about that. I do have a question. Is it proper in the pronunciation to say pier 
or Pierre. I've always referred to it as Pierre. And that's probably right. That probably is. Oh. So, okay. it's like Ely, Nevada or Eli, Nevada, you know. Yeah. So. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, all those. Yeah. Know, but yeah. anyway, so was it the gold is still there along with the remains of that steamboat? You know, who, who, who knows? But, again, I've read stories about uh, uh, treasure seekers who... Uh, find out where a boat went down and or the, uh, in a river and over the course of time the river changes course and pretty soon where the river was is covered with streets and buildings and one thing or another and so this actually may sound a little weird but it, it's very very possible that that steamboat along with 500,000 is uh, buried in, underneath the streets yeah of but come on now it's a little hard to just all of a sudden oops where'd the steamboat go yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. You know, wouldn't surely somebody have thought, hey, there's some stuff down there, you know, maybe uh, a little difficult to get, but, uh, you know, how deep is the Missouri? I don't know. Well, yeah, and they didn't have scuba divers at that time, and it was kind of like hold your breath, and maybe that was the problem. Yeah, yeah so, but, you know, even years and years ago, they had uh, various methods like uh, uh, with... Uh, pumping air into like a, a headpiece type thing, uh, even into a bucket, if you want to call That's it. That's where the terminology airhead came from. That's right. Or bucket head. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so story number six. Here we go. Uh, the story of another Dakota buried treasure legend began in 1862. Now, Congress, preoccupied with the Civil War, they delayed appropriating funds to feed the starving Sioux Indians at Yellow Medicine and Redwood Falls Indian Agencies in Minnesota. I see. And that's back in your territory. Minnesota, yeah. Yep. And that's east of modern South Dakota, obviously. But in the meantime, the Indian traders, learning that the government would not make its customary payments to the Indians in gold coins, they refused to sell the Indians any provisions on credit even though there was widespread hunger and starvation among the Indians. They did they take MasterCard, though. So on August 17th, a few Indians apparently stole some eggs from a white farmer and killed five whites, including two women. The Sioux held councils and most chose war. Well, the next day, 44 whites were killed at the Redwood Agency, where federal troops were trying to suppress the up uprising. The following day, 16 whites died in, a, in and around a place called New Ulm, well, during the uprising, a Dakota Sioux chief named Grayfoot and a small band of Indians stole an army payroll of about $56,000 in gold coins from an Indian agency. Now, Grayfoot and his small band then fled into what is now Marshall County in northeastern South Dakota. Mm -hmm. Now, the county which borders modern North Dakota was not organized until 1885, but anyway... The Army arrested more than 2,000 Sioux men, women, and children, and finally restored order. Well, by then, more than 500 whites, including women and children, and almost 50 Dakota Sioux had been killed. Another 200 white women and girls had been taken captive, and trials followed. Uh, 323 Sioux were convicted, and 300 were sentenced to be hanged. However, only 38 Indians were actually hanged uh, on orders from President Abraham Lincoln. Mm. Well, in the meantime, soldiers searched for this missing gold, this 56,000 that Grayfoot uh, had taken. Absolutely. And this is in what is now South Dakota. So Grayfoot heard that the soldiers were sweeping the countryside, searching for the robbers, and arresting any Indian who had gold coins. So he did not want to be arrested. So he took his share of the stolen army payroll and buried it in, uh, near the east shore of a place called Long Lake. 
And again, I don't know if you've heard of that place. It's uh, right a mile up the road from Short Creek. Okay. Yeah. And it's right uh, located east of the city of Lake City, South Dakota. Oh, I do know where that is. Okay. Yeah. In what is now Marshall County. Yeah. Okay, so you know the general area. Yeah. Okay, so we know this because years later, when Grayfoot was an old man and dying, he confessed to his sons how he had stolen the gold. He told them that he had buried his share and where he had buried it. Well, after Grayfoot's death, his sons reportedly tried to locate the gold, but never found it. And from his sons, the story spread. Uh, other treasure seekers have searched for the gold, but there are no accounts that anyone ever found it. You know, why is it that you've had other stories on, I remember one story in Kansas where these bank robbers or whatever, they buried the money by a road, by a road, right? and nobody ever found it. Why can't people find out where all this loot is stored? I mean, we're talking millions here. Right. Well, you know, as I've read about buried treasure, for example, the uh, supposedly buried treasure that's up at the City of Rocks. Yeah. If somebody finds that treasure, and let's say it belonged to a Wells Fargo stagecoach or Wells Fargo, Uh-oh. and they go and say, hey, look, I found this $50,000 uh, that belongs to Wells Fargo, guess who's going to be knocking on your door? Well, yeah, but it's pretty tough to go to Jackpot to Cactus Pete's and lay down a Wells Fargo note from 1863 and try to cash it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. But if it's gold, you know, and I thought about that. I thought, okay, uh, so let's say I find that buried treasure up at the City of Rocks. Yeah. And I don't tell anybody. How do I uh, get rid of it? How do I sell it? How do, you know, how do I... Uh, get the money that it's worth without uh, Wells Fargo and the government coming in for their share of the taxes on, you know, I'm pretty soon you're left with nothing but the saddlebags. That's exactly right. And that's not right. There should be some kind of a finder's fee. There should be some kind of a gratuity paid to the person that found that wealth. Well, I look at it this way. If, if you or I had not found it, it would still be buried. There you go. Nobody would have it. I think they should get automatically, after taxes, a minimum of 20%. Oh, I was going to say half. You're a greedy old son of a gun, aren't you? <laughs> well, I, like I say, if, if I hadn't found it, it would still be buried. You so, and Gina are both criminals. She's already figuring out melding it into gold bars and transporting it to Tijuana. <laughs> I want half. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you can have the ha- other half of my half. I get the saddlebag. <laughs> you can have the saddlebag, Okay. Yeah. Well, now, that tells me that we are wasting our time here on the radio. Yeah, we should be having shovels in hand, looking, looking. And a Geiger counter. Yes. And we need to hire a professional digger. Yeah, so we can sit back and... We'll get Kim Lee from the radio station. Uh, yeah, and, and we'll sit in lawn chairs and yeah. lemonade. And... A little bit to the right there, Lee. You missed it by 20 feet. Yeah, a little, <laughs> little deeper there. Okay. You know? But again, there are so many, so many stories. And I've got a whole book right here in front of me of... Uh, buried treasure legends and uh, you know of course the lost dutchman down in arizona yeah uh, story in and of itself well isn't there a treasure along with the city of rocks isn't there a wells fargo bag that was lost over by malta someplace there i'm not sure about that one but i know that uh, in the 70s early 70s there was some saddlebags found with gold in them about the city of rocks oh but it was not the same uh, legend of the sto- uh, gold that was stolen 
over uh, in the Portniff area. I see. Okay. So it's different. That supposedly has never been found, but this other one was found in the 70s, and I really don't have any details about that other than it's a, it was a different robbery that took place there. Well, listen, you're bored, you're retired, and you haven't got anything to do. Just get your shovel and maybe a garden spade, and let's hit the hills. Well, unfortunately, our, our good government uh, and their wisdom has declared that you cannot go into a national reserve with a uh, metal detector or a shovel. What do they know? Uh, well, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> this is Idaho. <laughs> Listen, we got to run, but uh, that was a really interesting story this morning, Dr. History. So well, why don't you go and, and eat some ratatouille, and uh, we'll chew on the fact that we're going to go be rich. Yes, that sounds great. All right, my friend. Hey, dr-history.com. Tell everybody real quick to go to the website. Dr-history.com will have stories every week, and even when I'm not on the radio, we will uh, have a story on there. Uh, every week, even if we are not on the radio. Hey, tell you what, why don't you and I get together on the phone later on today, and we'll figure out about next Tuesday and maybe run a replay. Yep, that'll be great. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. I appreciate yeah, it. Have a good day, Zeb. Thank you. Bye. Doctor History.